Welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zenashe. I am a conduit, coach, and catalyst that launches humanity into greatness by accelerating mindset changes and replacing limitations with possibilities. So today we're going to be talking about emotions, and I have LJ Hamilton with me. So yes. say hi to the people. Hey. Hey, everyone. How y'all doing? Um I'm glad to be here. Zanashe, thank you for having me. I'm definitely looking forward to this conversation. Well, thank you for being here. And, you know, when I posted, if the audience doesn't know, I post 10 topics at a time and it's just whoever picks it, that's their topic for the podcast. And I was actually surprised when a guy <laughs> picked emotions because there's this theory out in the world that mm-hmm. guys are unemotional and women are the emotional ones. But I think we're all human and we right. all have emotions. So I was actually glad that it was a guy because, you know, two women talking about emotions, I think it's not going to be as rich as a woman and a man talking about emotions. So, so what made you pick that topic? Um, for the very reason that you just said that, you know, it's, it's a misconception that men aren't emotional or can't be emotional or in touch with our emotional side. And I think it's, I think it's imperative that it be understood that men are emotional creatures too. You know, we go through certain types of emotions. We may not want to display them or say them publicly, but we go through certain types of emotions as well, especially if we're hurt, sad, different things like that. So I think it's important to have these types of conversations where men can feel safe in that space to talk about how they are or who they are emotionally. And I think that's really great. And I'm, I'm so glad that you're on this topic because There is an idea, as you said, that there are acceptable emotions for men. Like it's okay for men to be mad. Right. It's okay for them to be aggressive or to be frustrated, you know, or disgusted. But when we talk about being sad or being hurt, those are kind of frowned on. And I even remember when I was growing up, because I'm 51, um, there was this whole idea that men shouldn't cry. Boys shouldn't cry. Right. You know, and. I'm, I'm glad that one of the things that I see society moving away from is that idea mm-hmm. that men shouldn't cry or boys shouldn't cry. And there's a lot of memes that I've seen on Facebook where it'll pair a woman who's saying, you never show your emotions with a mother telling her son, boys don't cry. Right. And put those side by side and say, this is what happens when you tell boys not to show their emotions when right. they get to be older, they don't know how to. Right. So um, what do you think about that? Boys don't cry. Men don't cry. Um, I've, I've heard that. I've been told that growing up. Um, then it switched from boys don't cry or men don't cry to man up. Um, whenever you're going through something emotionally, man up, just man up. Like how you feel about it doesn't matter. Just man up. And so I've heard all of that. And, and, and it sets us up, especially in our relationships, it sets us up for failure because then we feel as though we can't be emotionally vulnerable. Like we can't be our emotional selves. And, and so we kind of suppress everything, bottle it up. We don't say anything. We just try to deal with it. We try to man up, as they say. But then, you know, if we're in a relationship with our partner or even with our children or our family, they can't connect with us emotionally. Because we bottle everything up and then we become afraid of being emotional. We become afraid of actually showing our true selves. We won't cry. We refuse to cry. Now, in private, we may break down. And a lot of men do that, whether they want to admit to it or not. 
A lot of men do that. We break down, we cry, we worry, we stress, we go through anxiety, we go through all of that. But when we are in front of people, especially people who are dependent on us, we have to put up this strong front, like I got everything under control. Even if it's chaos, I got everything under control. You know, I won't break, I can't bend. Because we see that as weakness because we've always been taught that. And so I think that's where it sets us up a lot of times for failure in our relationships, especially with our partners, because our partners are trying to connect with us emotionally. And then we're, we're just kind of like, like it's a brick wall there. And it's so hard for somebody to get to us emotionally because we fear that type of transparency. We fear that type of vulnerability. We don't want to go there because we've been taught that men don't do that. Real men. And then if I do it, then I must not be a real man. And we look at it as a uh, sign of weakness. Yeah, um, that whole sign of weakness <laughs> thing, because as a black woman, there is that stereotype or uh, mantle that people want to put on you. Well, you know, black women are strong. Right. You know, we got the strong black woman and she can handle anything. And, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid, they had that uh commercial you know i can bring home the bacon fry it up in the pan and never let him forget that he's a man because right. i'm a woman you know w-o-m-a-n you know that whole idea that i can do it all and then you ended up with this generation of women i'm independent i don't need a man and then not letting their emotions show mm -hmm. wanting to be so strong and independent and not realizing that you can be strong. And then there are times when you need to be vulnerable. There's right. times when you need to depend on someone and be interdependent. And part of being a woman, in my opinion, is being feminine. And femininity is being able to receive as well as give, being able to be taken care of, being able to be protected, you know, being able to be submissive, being able to be nurturing mm -hmm. and motherly. And those all take some of the softer emotions. Um, and even being, you know, some women are going to hate me for saying mm -hmm. this, knowing how to be a man's peace, right? knowing how to be quiet sometimes and just let him talk. Or when he comes home, don't lay everything on his shoulders, give him some space, you know, and, and realize that just like, you know, I used to do this when I was teaching and my kids were here, I would sit in the car for 20 to 30 minutes sometimes hmm. when I knew everybody was in the house and I was coming home from work because I hadn't had a chance to decompress right. from dealing with teenagers all day right. and then coming home to deal with my younger kids or my teenagers. And I needed just a minute to breathe, listen to a little bit of music, you know, taking the scenery. I'm at home now, you know, okay. And I'm going to take all this stuff off and I'm going to leave that at work. And sometimes we do that. We let ourselves do that as women, but sometimes we don't allow the men in our lives to have that time or space, you know, and, so I think that it's important to when you're in a relationship or a friendship or any kind of interaction with somebody, give them space, right. you know, when they need space. And even I've heard it called holding space, you know, when you give that person, okay, I'm going to be 
I'm going to be your safe space. If you need to vent, you can come to me and we can talk about things and I'm not going to judge you and I'm not going to put you down and I'm not going to throw it in your face (laughs) later because I want you to feel safe with your emotions with me, you know, and, and I think that that's very vital to uh, healthy relationships is giving each other that space and, and being able to hold space for each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, and that's very important. Um, and, and especially when it's, when you're in a relationship with a man, um, what a lot of women need to understand that if you just, if he's open to communication, if sometimes if you just let him talk, he'll talk his way into vulnerability. He'll talk his way into the transparency and the emotional connectivity that you're looking for, but you just have to let him talk. You know, without interruption, without even feedback or opinion during the actual conversation, at least not right there, not in that moment. Just let him talk and he'll talk his way into the transparency and the emotional connectivity that you want. But it must be understood that for a lot of men, especially a lot of black men, it's hard. And then anytime we see black men being emotionally vulnerable, like public figures, celebrities or whatever, they're made fun of. So the regular guy is like... Yeah, I'm not doing that. Because mm-hmm. when Tyrese did it, they yeah. made fun of him. When um when um Will Smith did it, they made fun of him. You know, you know, black black men, our faces become memes and people make jokes because we're breaking down. Whether you think it's fake or whatever or made up is inconsequential to the fact that this person, this man, this black man in this time and space is being vulnerable. And so he shouldn't be made fun of. And then other black men see, you know, all types of people making fun of us. And so we're like, yeah, that's why I don't open up. That's why, you know, you don't see this side of me. That right there, because you make fun of me. Just man up, just do, you know, there's all of these adages and old sayings that, you know, it kind of keeps us locked in this emotional box that we won't let anybody in. And then we can't have effective relationships and partnerships. And then we attribute any kind of soft emotion to women, sensitivity, compassion, you know, all of those, oh, that's, that's for women. And then on the flip side of that, whenever they, whenever, um, it's like they, uh, they'll tell you, a man, just get in touch with their feminine side. Like, you know, your feminine side is when you're sensitive and everything's like that, but it's still attribute, attributed to femininity. And so a lot of men won't grasp that, so they won't embrace it, because when you tell a man to get in touch with his feminine side, you never know how he's going to respond to that. And it shouldn't be a feminine or masculine side. This is your emotional side. We're human beings. And so we should have a right to be emotional. And we have to be, like you were saying, as I was saying beforehand, you have to be that safe space for him. If you're not that safe space for him, he's not going to open up to you. And it doesn't matter how long you're together. It doesn't matter. He's not going to open up to you if he, don't, he does, if he doesn't feel emotionally safe with you. He could be going through something having a horrible day, emotionally, mentally, physically stressed out. And he can go to your social media page and see that you said something about whatever. And he was like, no, I'm not going to. Or he can know from previous experiences with you that, yeah, I can't open up to her about this. Or whatever the, you know, whatever the reason he may be, he's not going to share all of himself with you for that reason or those reasons. And so that must be understood that if he feels safe with you, he's going to talk. And if you just let him talk, he'll talk his way into the emotional connectivity and transparency that you want. You just brought up social media and (laughs) and the power of social media to make fun of people who are vulnerable. But also 
women, young men, but especially women, if somebody is vulnerable, which you do not post it, do not talk about all your business on social media because that's the last time they're going to trust you with anything Mm -hmm. because there should be, you know, there's public life and there's private life. And some of us, we don't mind putting our personal business out there, but that doesn't give you the right to put somebody else's personal business out there. You know, so if a person is coming to you in confidence, being vulnerable, that's between you and them. That that's, that's a private conversation about a private thing that happened and it should stay, you know, that way. Um, and so you have to, in a sense, guard that, you know, I remember when uh, my son was young, he was probably about 17 and he and his girlfriend had had this big blow up fight. I mean, and he's sitting on the floor in his room and he's upset. And I said to him, I said, let me tell you something. I said, I don't know if you guys are going to be together or if you're going to break up. I said, but let me tell you something. I said, uh, you and her have a relationship, right? And I want you, I went and got a glass. I said, I want you to picture that relationship as this glass between the two of you. That relationship is a separate thing. It's you are both putting into it, Mm -hmm. but it's vulnerable like this glass. And if you say things and you're throwing stones at that vase, that, that glass, you can nick it. You could even shatter it. And there's no way to put it back together. Right. So you have to always see this connection between you and her as the separate thing that you have to protect. Even when you get angry, even when you get frustrated, you might have to have rules in your relationship. We're not going to talk when both of us are super upset. We're Mm going to have a cooling off period. We're going to come back when we are calmer so that we don't say something we'll regret. You know, um, I, I believed you know, once I went through my first marriage and I learned a whole lot of things not to do because uh, we were young. Mm-hmm. You know, I got married at 24 and I was divorced by 30. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was not all his fault. I mean, he did a lot of really bad things, but it was not all his fault. I didn't know how to control this little tongue mm-hmm. in my mouth. I didn't know how to control that. And I didn't know how detrimental that could be. Wow. So I had to learn just because I thought something didn't mean I needed to say it. And just because I did need to say it didn't mean I needed to say it when I was upset. I needed to think about it. I needed to think about the best way to approach it. Um, The the kindest, softest, most, uh, how can I put it? I don't want to say politically correct, but the, (laughs) the most cooperative in a sense way to do it because what I realized in that relationship and I've taken this from there on the rest of my life I used to think oh I want to win this argument I want to win this argument I got all this ammunition I'm gonna win this argument and then I realized um if I win that means he's losing Mm -hmm. if he wins that means I'm losing we're a team it shouldn't be about winning and losing it should be about solving the issue So we both can win. And I gave up that whole, I got to win this argument that died when that relationship died, that died from that point to the rest of my life. I never thought that way because I realized if there's a winner, there's a loser. Right. And in reality, 
if there's a one loser and we're in a relationship together, both of us are losing. Exactly. You know, so that was the thing that I told my son, you need to protect your relationship like it's a vase, like it's a glass, like you realize that it's fragile and whatever you say or do to it, you can't take it back. Right. You know, it's it's going to show the effects of whatever was done to it. Even when you regret it, even when you wish you could have said or done things differently, you can't take it back. So I was like, you have to be deliberate and even though you're young and even though you're emotional Mm -hmm. you have to make choices with those emotions and not let the emotions run you so what would you say about something that you learned from your first marriage or (laughs) Uh, my first marriage you might be your only marriage i've (laughs) been married twice um and i don't really count that one but i guess we got to count it for the sake of the conversation but from that, um, I, I learned the importance of um, partnership, as you were saying, alluding to. Um, partnership is important. And, and, and I didn't learn this right after that relationship. I learned this throughout the course of once that ended to where I am now. But partnership is important. It's not about who's right, who's wrong, who's winning. or anything. It's like we got to work together in order for this to work. We got to communicate effectively. We have to have intimate conversations and not just, I'm not talking about sexual conversations. I'm talking about intimate conversations where we can be honest with each other because we feel safe with each other. And if I have an issue, if I have a problem, I want to be able to tell you that and and know that I won't be judged or it won't be thrown in my face or you won't get angry or anything like that, depending on what it is. And, And we have to respect how each other, how the other person feels but we have to be able to have those conversations. I don't believe that you have to argue to whereas you get loud and, you know, belligerent and all that. I don't believe, I used to believe that, but I don't longer, no longer believe that. You don't have to fight, you know, and they go, oh, we just got into a fight. A couple say that so easily, you know, but they don't know that what you're speaking out, you're putting that into the universe. So that's going to come right back on your relationship. Oh, we just got into a fight. We just got into a fight. But you're always, and you're always fighting because you're always saying this is what we're doing. Just because we disagree doesn't mean we have to fight. That just means we disagree. We can come to a common ground and we may never come to the common ground of agreement, but we can come to a common ground to whereas we have an understanding that this is how you feel about it. This is how I feel about it. What are we going to do about it? And so that's something that I've learned, you know, the importance of partnership, working together, keeping your business, as you were saying, your business you know, in this age of social media, people seek that for validation for themselves and their relationships. They think that if I post this person, that means that my relationship is legitimate. It doesn't, but that's what a lot of people think. If I post the, me and this person together, or if I put in a relationship with, or whatever the case may be, they think it validates their relationship. You get this false sense of validation from other people because you might get some likes and you might get some love reactions and different things like that. So it makes you feel good. Because it valid to you, it validates your relationship, but it also opens the door for other voices and other energy because everybody don't want to see you together. Everybody don't like you together. So you never know what type of energy somebody is throwing your way or throwing towards your relationship. And that's why it's important to keep those things private, in my opinion, because other people and other voices and other forces, once you open that door, you never know what you're going to be dealing with. And your relationship may you know, survive through it. But if you don't have to deal with it, then don't deal with it because that's just extra that you don't want to deal with. 
And so I think it's important for couples um, to understand that everything don't have to be everybody's business. Everywhere you go, everybody don't have to know. Everything you do, everything you go through, everybody don't have to know. People don't have to know who you're involved with at all. You know, it, do, it doesn't, like if I, if, I, if I was involved with a woman and I put her on social media, it doesn't make me more or less involved with her. You know, it just makes everybody now knows and everybody's going to have an opinion. Oh, y'all look so cute together. What do you mean? <laughs> and it's like, you, you got all of this stuff and it kind of takes away from, from, you know, how special the relationship can be if it was just you too in that space and you share it with people that's close to you, share it with people that need to know. But other than that, the entire social media world doesn't have to know. And if you do let them know, they don't have to know all your business. Mm-hmm. You know? I agree about not letting them know all your business. I I don't see a problem with posting relationships mm-hmm. on Facebook when I was in after my divorce, when I got into two different relationships, I posted them on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I said in a relationship right now on Facebook, it probably says divorce. I think mine says divorce, you know, so um, I don't have a problem with posting relationship status. And and I have never had a negative experience mm-hmm. with it, which might be one reason why I don't have a problem with it. Um, it. To me, it can just like you said, it can cause problems to me. It can solve problems because. When somebody's jumping in your inbox, do you see it says in a relationship on my page? <laughs> it's, it's, hey, I know they don't care, but still, at least at least it's out there. At least right. it might deter a few, you know. Um, some people out there might be saying, hey, you know, it's tumbleweeds in my inbox. Anybody, nobody's even worried about whether I'm in a relationship or not, but but it could deter, deter a few. You know, um, I think dealing with emotions we were talking about being parents before we got on here. Mm-hmm. I think it's one thing that you have to start in a sense, training your kids to deal with, you know, when, um, when my kids were young and they wanted to throw a temper tantrum, I was like, no, we're not going to do that. You can, it's okay for you to feel angry, frustrated, disappointed mm-hmm. that you didn't get whatever you wanted. Feeling it is fine. Falling on the floor, kicking and screaming is a behavior and that is not going to be tolerated. Right. You know, you can say, hey, I really wanted that toy. And maybe later you might get that toy. You know, maybe you might have to do some chores for that toy. Maybe Mm -hmm. you might have to, you know, bring home some good grades for that toy. There Mm -hmm. might be ways for you to get what you want. But the way you're not going to get it is falling on the floor, kicking and screaming. You know, so. Even when my kids were very young, I started trying to teach them how to deal with their emotions because um, I knew that their their dad had a temper. My kids both have tempers and I wanted them to try <laughs> to learn mm-hmm. how to handle that. So we have been working on that, you know, and I did a lot of little things with my kids. I remember when they were really young, I would have them write on tissue paper things that, that were really bothering them and say, okay. We're going to make a plan to deal with this. And now we're going to flush that away. We're going to, and literally I would have a drop the toilet and flush it. Hmm. So they would have like kind of a sense of uh, catharsis or like this is out of my system now. Hmm. Cause a lot of us, you know, like Erica Badu says, bag lady, you got too much stuff. You know, you got, you dragging all in bags, you know, mm-hmm. some of us need to let go. of a lot of things that have hurt us and and wounded us and because you can't change the past all you can do is learn from it and move forward and and you have to let it go regardless of whether that person has 
apologized, changed, because the baggage is really just hurting you. Right. You know, it's not hurting that other person. You know, so when did you kind of realize like that you wanted to, in a sense, change the way you dealt with your emotions and maybe deal with them differently? Um, I would say mm, probably about maybe about eight years ago. Um, I'm 46 now. And so, yeah, that will put me around that time. Um, I wanted to become more emotionally balanced and understand myself emotionally as an emotional person. I wanted to get back to uh, where I was prior to marriage and divorce and going through that whole season of, you know, darkness that I was in. I wanted to get back to where I was prior to that and then grow from that point and become more emotionally balanced and, and understand the importance of every emotion that I have. And how, you know, throughout my daily life, which emotions to use, which re- and how they're going to kind of determine my reaction or responses to certain things. And so with that, I became an emo- a more emotionally balanced person to whereas everything doesn't bother me. Everything doesn't get me off of my square. Everything doesn't take me out of pocket or anything like that. And so I think we, we like when I say emotional balance, it's like me understanding that I can be angry or upset about something, but I have to know how to control that or I have to know how to to deal with that in that moment and not let it kind of determine the rest of my day or the rest of my week or whatever. I have to learn how to deal with my my emotions so that when I go out into this world, you know, I'm a more emotionally balanced person. So if it's something that upset me, something that made me angry or even something that made me sad, I have to be able to know how to deal with those things and articulate my way through the emotional atmosphere so that when I get balanced, I won't have my outside universe messed up because my inside universe is messed up. If that makes any sense. I I actually thought that was beautifully put. So, and that's just, that's just me. Um, because some people may not deal with it like that. And it's just, that's how I deal with it. Because, you know, like I said, you're going to see a lot. You're going to experience a lot, especially as, as black people in this country. So I got to know how to navigate through all of that emotionally. Well, I think you said a lot of important things. One is not to label emotions good or bad. Mm-hmm. You know, emotions are, they exist. Being happy isn't, you know, the best emotion. Being sad isn't the worst emotion. They right. are just parts of life, you know, and one of the things that I began to realize is we have seasons, spring, summer, winter, fall, you know, and each one of them has a gift within it, Mm -hmm. you know, and with our emotions, it's the same way. Sadness can have a gift. The gift can be, I slow my behind down a little bit and I, 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 you know, thank the person for that loss. What, you know, if, if, if it was a loss, you, you look back and you realize the good times, you know, sadness also can help you appreciate the happy times. Cause you know, the happiness won't last forever. You know, mm-hmm. sadness is coming. So let me enjoy this moment. Right. Let me really live in this moment. You know, anger can be fuel. 
there's a whole lot of people that change their lives because they got sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know, Mm -hmm. and that anger was fuel for them. You know, frustration, disappointment, all of those can be catalysts to change. So rather than saying, oh, I'm not going to feel this, I'm going to put my head, you know, in the stand and I'm going to just ignore this emotion. Okay, what am I feeling? Mm -hmm. Why am I feeling it? And, you know, what can I do with this that would be beneficial for me and my future? You know, so I I believe in a lot of journaling. I believe in a lot of meditation and just sitting with emotions for a little while, but not wallowing in them. You know, you can sit with it. Why am I feeling this? Okay, I know why I'm feeling it. Okay, I felt it. Let me let it go. I don't need to just wallow in it. I can just let it go. I I understand. Thank you for what that lesson I'm going to take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go walk outside for a little while. I'm going to shake this off. You know, I I love a, a different world because they gave us some little catchphrases right. that have stuck with me <laughs> for about 10 years. And one of them is relax, relate, release. Right. You know, <laughs> that episode, anybody <laughs> our age probably can remember. That was a life lesson. Relax and, and feel that emotion. Relate what's going on to whatever your situation is and release and let that go. Mm-hmm. Just let it go. You don't have to wallow in it. So that's one of the things that I have learned, you know, dealing with emotions. And, and I know that I'm going to hold this book up. You wrote actually a book called man codes decoded. Yes, ma'am. And it is about manipulation and how some men Mm-hmm. are predators and they actually prey on emotional women, women who are vulnerable yeah. and um, they use that, those emotions against them. So I wanted you to kind of talk about like how this book came about. And I also know that you wrote, wrote seven poetry books. <laughs> yes. You know, so um, I also want to talk about as a artist, mm-hmm. emotion, you know, okay. is a key to right. everything we do. So, so tell us about this book and how, you know, what you saw that kind of led to you writing this. The book, um, it's, it's, it's personal experience. It's, it's some research as well. And then it's, um, just having different conversations with women throughout my life up to the point of writing the book and seeing, you know, them being victimized repeatedly by manipulative men. And as we were discussing prior to the show, um, when I got a divorce, I transitioned from the type of guy that I was to, and I became a manipulative man. And so the book is relative to me personally. It's like, this is not just, I'm not just talking about other guys. I'm talking about who I was, the type of man that I was. And, And I'm talking about how damaging and toxic I was as an emotional predator. I've never been physically abusive towards a woman, but emotionally, that was my high because I was so hurt and so broken. And I was trying to I was taking all of this displaced anger out on every woman that I would come into contact with because my ex, my ex-wife hurt me so bad that I felt like hurting this woman or that woman was getting back at her. I didn't understand that it wasn't, but that's just what I felt like I was doing. And so in the book, it outlines every type of manipulator because I was every type of manipulator. And it wasn't just women I was involved with. It was my mother. It was any woman that I could get something from. And and that's what a lot of men out there, unfortunately, 
that's their MO, for lack of a better way to say it. They prey on women and especially emotionally vulnerable women. We can see that. You know, you may not think we can see it, but we can see it. We don't have to have a conversation with you to be able to see that. We can just watch how you act, watch how you respond, watch how you relate to other people around you, watch how you are in social situations. And we can get a sensing of whether or not you are emotionally vulnerable. And I, that'll be the one that I go after because that'll be the one that I can say just about anything to to get you to do what it is that I wanted you to do. And that'll be the one that I can get most the most benefits from. Because it has to be some type of benefit in order for me to be involved with you. That's a manipulative man's thinking. There has to be some type of benefit. Something for me. Very narcissistic. Very controlling as it relates to the relationship. I need all of this. I need it done my way. I need you to give, 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 give. I'm not going to give you anything back. I might say anything. Make all kind of outlandish promises and whatever. But I'm not going to actually give you anything, especially emotionally. I'm not going to give you intimacy. I'm not going to try to understand, you know, who you are or how you are as a person. It's just going to be a take, 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 take. And so, you know, <clears throat> what brought me to writing the book is just seeing women going through all of these toxic relationships and interactions with manipulative and abusive men and not understanding how they got to that point. You know, cause, because anybody can say, well, it should be common sense. You should have knew or you should have saw the red flag. Well, they can say anything. But we've all found ourselves involved with somebody that we should not have been involved with. And we all found ourselves getting to a certain point in that relationship to where as we questioned ourselves as to how did I get here? Why am I here? And who am I as a result of this relationship? And that's what that's where the book kind of guides women to getting to a point of freedom from manipulative men. Because if you don't know what you're looking for, if you don't know what you're looking at, you will continue to fall into the same traps. And so this book outlines perfectly, and I'm not saying perfectly because I wrote it, but it outlines perfectly what a manipulative man is, the different types of manipulators. Because some manipulators don't want you for sex. They want you for money. They want you for a place to stay. They want you for whatever, you know, and, and they're going to do and say whatever to get what it is that they want out of you. And once they drain you of everything, that's when they're going to leave you or leave you alone when it's no longer beneficial to them. When you're broken to a point where there's nothing left for you to give to them, that's when they're going to go about their way. Because there's no reason for me to remain involved with you if there's no more benefits left to the involvement. And so women have to understand that. And also it helps, the book helps women heal emotionally. Because as we were discussing before, predators, because that's what manipulative men are, predators can sense when you're damaged, can sense when you're wounded. And that's, you're going to be the one they go after in every situation. That's why a lot of women find themselves being approached by manipulative man after manipulative man because you're still damaged and they can sense that. It's kind of like in the wild, in the jungle. A predator can see a herd of impalas and they'll pinpoint and target the weakest one. That's the one they're going to get. The slowest one. The one that's at the back of the pack. The one that may be injured. Why would I chase after all the other ones when I can just get you? When I can just attack you? As I was saying before, it's an example in the book there's like two swimmers in the ocean. One of them is bleeding. The other one is not. Shark comes along. The shark is going to go after the one that's bleeding. They sense that you are already wounded. And it's just an easier catch. The same thing with men when it comes to women. If I'm a manipulative man and I go out into a social interaction, it could be a club, it could be an office party, it could be the library, whatever. 
and I see five women, I can pinpoint the one that's damaged. I can pinpoint it. Easy. And I don't have to say nothing to them. I can just see how y'all acting. You know, or I can find out what your Facebook page is, go to that and be like, yeah, that's the one. You know, it's like you, it's easy. And women, and a lot of women don't understand that. That's how you always getting caught. And because it's just easy, you make it way too easy because you wear all of your emotions, you wear your heart, you wear everything on your sleeve, as they say. And again, he said, I see it. Why would I deal with a harder situation? Why would I go after the woman that got everything together emotionally? She emotionally balanced. She not putting up with a lot of BS. She on her thing. She like, no. Why would I even talk to her when all I want is somebody that I can use? I'm going to go after the weakest link. And if that's you, I'm going to be able to target you. And so that book helps women become unlike that. That book helps. It empowers women, inspires women. And um, it's, it's, it's a great book. It's an easy read. And it's a great book because it gives you all of this ammunition. So when you go out into the outside world, you can spot a manipulator. You can be like, yeah, stand away from you. Because when that Impala, when they see that lion, they, they gone. It's the one that's kind of just mumbling, you know, <laughs> moseying along, not paying gotcha. attention. That's the one that get caught. But if gotcha. you know what to look for, you know what to stay away from. And that book will help you know what to look for. So even when he might be looking good, he might be smelling good. Everything might be on point. He might, he might look like he got it together. But as soon as he opened his mouth, or as soon as he do or say something... That book bring back to your remembrance. Yeah, he ain't he ain't about that life. Stay away from him. You know, I, I find uh, what you just said at the very end very interesting. You said he might be looking good. He mm-hmm. might be smelling good. You know, I've been on social media for about, I guess, at least seven years mm-hmm. now. And you see a lot of these women's standards are too high and they expect too much and they're demanding and they just won't give a good man a shot. And I'm not going to say that there's no validity. There's always validity in pretty much any complaint a person can make. Mm -hmm. There's some level of credibility or some level of truth. But there's also the other side of that where some of these men that are saying that these women won't give them a chance are really just manipulators. They don't have very much going for them except Mm -hmm. an outward appearance they look a certain way, they smell a certain way. You know, mm-hmm. I had a guy say, I thought this was crazy. He said, men generally fall into two categories, providers and pimps. Mm-hmm. And he said, the provider is looking for, you know, what I can give and what I can get, meaning they want to take care of the woman. And in return, they want to be taken care of. Right. So they need a woman, in a sense, for that wholeness, that bond, that reciprocity. But a pimp is totally looking just for what he can get. He's right. got the mouthpiece. He's got the manipulation. He is looking for the vulnerable woman, the woman with that lacks self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And he wants to take that woman for everything that she has. And he's going to give her a sense that she's important and special and beautiful and all this stuff. But it's all just manipulation. It's all lies. It's completely a mind game. He Mm -hmm. is messing with her mind. Mm -hmm. And so he was saying, you got some men in the middle, but in general, 
men are divided into providers and pimps. And he was like, and on some level, there are some pimps that look like good men, you know, of course, because they can be successful to a certain level. They can be suave and sophisticated and, and, and charming and all of that. But when it boils down to their true motivation, their true motivation is taking everything they can get. And a um, perfect, a perfect example of that when you were saying that came to my mind. And um, the first Think Like a Man movie, when um, Taraji left the Michael Ely character for the Morris Chestnut character, because he had everything together, um, seemingly. But then she found herself unsatisfied and unhappy in that relationship because she realized that He's not giving her anything. It was a take, take, take relationship. And even though the guy over here who's trying to get himself together is trying to get himself together, he was giving her everything that she required and that she felt that she wanted. But she left him anyway for this guy because he looked the part. And that's what a lot of women need to understand. And men, you know, a person can look the part, but that don't mean they're for you. That don't mean they're good for you. And when I say good for you, Yes, you want somebody with you know reciprocity and give and take and all that great stuff, but I'm talking about good for you spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, good for you. That doesn't mean that 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 that's that person because they talk a good game, they wear a nice suit, they got a nice car, they got a nice house. You think they got it all together? You get involved with them and you realize that person is toxic. They're poison. They're not gonna give you anything. It's take, 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 take. That's also that's also in the book as well. I will invite you to my elaborate home, but you're going to follow every direction that I have. And if you don't, I will kick you out. Same thing with my nice car. Same thing with my money. As long as you do what I want you to do and how I say do it and within the confines of, you know, what my word is, we good. But as soon as you step outside of that box, I'm going to replace you. It's just that easy and it's just that simple. This is somebody that's not good for you, even though they got everything else going on. Don't be fooled by that. You know, do not be fooled by that because it's a lot of women and men that can put up that front like they good people just to get you. And once they got you, you'll realize just how bad this relationship is or how bad this involvement is. So you you have to be mindful of that, especially women, because a man I was telling this to somebody the other night, a man will say almost anything literally to get what it is that he wants out of you. Literally. I mean, we, we we've all seen the Mac. That man said, we go to the stars. <laughs> we will say anything out of our mouths. <laughs> to the stars, baby, if you, if you, you know what I'm saying? That's a pimp. To, I'll take you to the stars, to the moon. It's like, we will say anything. And some women will be like, oh, he did. No, nah, that's, that's BS. That's bull. But if I can get you in your mind and in your emotions and in your feelings, just from what I say, the rest will be easy. Because all I know, because I know then all I got to do is talk you into it. I don't got to do nothing. It's like getting involved with a married man who keep telling you he's going to get a divorce. It's been You've been with him seven years. I'm, I'm working on it, baby. You just got to trust me. Just give me a little bit more time. I'm working on it. You know how these things go? Mm-hmm. And you're just sitting there like, I mean, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to convince other people that he right. And they're trying to tell you he wrong and he wrong and he know he wrong. Mm-hmm. But you, you, he got you so m- mentally messed up and wrapped up to as you believe in whatever he say. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I mean, I took a little money out your wallet. I, I had to, you believe it. I use your credit card without your permission because I had to do this, and you believe it. He ain't giving you nothing. Take, 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 take. I'll drop you off at work. Let me keep your car. 
<laughs> it's like, what? But you're doing it. You find yourself doing these things. You're eating your kids' food. You find yourself allowing these things. Because this man done talked his way into a situation that's benefiting him and taken away from you. And you feel miserable every time you look in the mirror because you allowed yourself to get to that point. But there is a way of escape from that. And so that book helps women find that way of escape. And and you talk about you feel miserable. You know, for me and for many people, emotions are a barometer of where you are. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes our emotions can be overreactive and they can be just, in a sense, you know, flaky. Mm-hmm. Because they are chemical, you know, signals and they come from a lot of different, you know, a lot of different stimuli. But there are times when your emotions can say, hey, wait a minute, you know, something's not right here. I'm not feeling the way I should. I feel off. I feel depressed. I feel what's 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 going on with me. Mm -hmm. And they can really help you to dig a little deeper and look beyond the surface so that you're actually seeing you know, the reality, right. how things are truly affecting you. And, and, you know, I heard, I don't remember who said this, but someone said, uh, people talk about all the things they want to do, all the goals that they have, all that they've accomplished, but you don't have some people say that they're happy. Right. Cause you can accomplish all of that. You can have all these goals, but is it really making you happy? You know, what is the emotional outcome of that? Are you truly fulfilled? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it doesn't take all that to right. be fulfilled. Sometimes we're told it takes all of that and it doesn't take all of that. And I think that sometimes when we get to be 40 or 50, we start <laughs> asking those questions like, I'm I'm getting to the end now. Okay, <laughs> I done done all this stuff that they said was going to make me happy. Right. I'm not happy. What do I need to do now? And I think that's what a midlife crisis is for many people is mm-hmm. shedding all that stuff and saying, Okay, I'm going to simplify my life and I'm going to go after what I really want. I'm going to go after what really makes me happy. I'm going to go after what really gives me peace. And those emotions really come to the forefront. Those things that we've been stuffing down and ignoring and putting on the back burner all the time. Now we're like, okay, I'm not going to live my life like that. And I think that one difference between some of the younger people and some of us Mm -hmm. is that some of them are doing that in their 20s. Right. And they're like, I don't care what you older people say. I see your life, you know, exactly. you miserable. I'm not going through all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start today figuring out what it is I want. What's going to make me happy, figuring out what gives me peace, what gives me joy, you know, what makes me feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And I think those are some questions that we really do need to ask because, you know, that's what this whole podcast is about. The urge for more peace and fulfillment in life. Right. What are we doing to fill that urge? You know, what are we doing to bring fulfillment? What are we doing to bring peace? And every week we're, you know, dealing with a different topic in that search for peace and fulfillment because ultimately life is to be lived and enjoyed. And if you're not living it and enjoying it, you know, if you're just existing, if you're just paying bills on your way to death, that's not living. Right. You know? Yeah. So I wanted to bring up real quickly as we close out poetry. Yes, You've ma'am. written seven books. So what do you think about emotions in relationship to poetry, I, performing, uh, <laughs> writing books, you know, being an artist? Yeah, How does it, that play? If in? anybody um, wants to know me, you read one of any of my poetry books. I pour all of my emotions in my poetry. All of them. There's nothing that's held back. Um, I'm, I pour everything into my work. 
And I, and I think as artists, that's important that we do that. Um, we have to be, especially if you perform live or even if you read or if you write material that other people are going to read, <laughs> it's important that we give ourselves to that work um, because it's vital because somebody else is going to read this, see this or hear this and they're going to connect to it in some type of way. So you want to make sure that in whatever way they connect to it, you know, you're giving them authenticity. It's genuine. It's coming from your soul with what you put on this paper or what you say on stage. And so that's important. And and with my poetry, I, I just I write a lot because I feel a lot. I think a lot. And then I write it out. And, um, you know, I, I, I may write a lot of love poetry. It doesn't mean necessarily that I'm in love with a particular person. Um, a particular woman or anything like that, but it just means that this is my ideal. This is what I want. This is what I desire. And and I know other people feel that. And I know when somebody else reads it, it's what they want to, or maybe what they have. And it's something they can relate to. But I live through my words. And so that's why it's important that when I'm writing, I just pour myself into that. Because that's where that's where that's life for me. I've been doing that since second or third grade. I can remember my first poem ever written. And it was a little love poem to somebody I had a little crush on, and we were moving, and I never told her I liked her, and I gave her a little poem with some rhinestone earrings my sister bought at the mall for me, and sat them on her desk. And I don't know if she ever got it or not, because I never told her, because I was scared. So I never said anything, but that's where it started for me. So I just, everything, I poured all into my portion, and as artists, that's important that we, that we kind of live through our words. And it's actually a part of our life. It's a part of who we are. Um, even if it's not about love, whatever it is, it could be a social piece or, or dating or whatever. Let it be part of who you are. I agree with you on that. You know, I've heard emotions described as energy in motion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as an artist, I think that we have the unique ability to transfer our emotions into the audience and have them take on temporarily that feeling that experience and and live it with us be in the moment with Mm. us and i think that that's powerful whether you're a poet whether you're a singer you know a comedian um you take that person into your world whether it's a fictional world or a real world and that emotion becomes part of their emotion and I think that's one reason why people love art so much because it transports them from where they are to someplace different in some cases some places they never knew existed you know and it opens up possibilities you know it opens up mindsets you know I, I have read so many books you know people say what books change your life. And a lot of people, they can list certain books that literally change their life because the emotion behind that book, the, the words that were there, they had life Hmm. and that life became transmitted to another person. And, um, my name Zen Ashe is actually, you know, Zen of course means peace, but Ashe One of the meanings of Ashe is my words transform the world. Mm -hmm. My words transform people. You know, um, that's one of the meanings of it in Yoruba. And so as a poet, I definitely take that responsibility. You know, Spider-Man, with great power comes great (laughs) responsibility, you know. (laughs) But uh, that whole idea of being an artist and having this gift um, to 
inspire. And, and if you go back to the root of inspire, it means in spirit, mm. you know, you are able to give life, to give spirit to something, you know, um, and to, in a sense, spirits move wherever they want to move. They don't, they don't have to stay bound by time or space right. or gender or race or money. They move, right. you know, so we have that ability with emotion to share that. And that's pretty powerful. So this is your book, Man Codes Decoded. And I know you have seven poetry books. Yes. So could you tell people where they can find you and find your books? They can find me. Um, we'll find the books on decodedwithlj.com. That's D-E-C-O-D-E-D-W-I-T-H-L-J.com. They can find um, the Man Codes Decoded book there. They can also find the seven poetry books that I have. My newest poetry book is titled My Angels Have Afros, and it's a celebration of black women their hair and their body. So it's a beautiful work. It's drenched in love and different things like that and intimacy, but they can find all of my books there. Um, I have some special promos going on right now. Um, it's a coupon there where you can save an additional 5%. So just go to the website. You can find everything that I have as far as merchandise. You can also follow me on Instagram, official LJ Hamilton spelled just like how it sounds all one word official LJ Hamilton. And I'll post about any events that I have coming up or anything like that and promos with the books and different things like that. So that's where they can find me and that's where they can find my books. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And I am Zenashe. That's spelled Z-E-N-A-S-E. -E. So you can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok. Zenergy is this podcast and it is about the urge for more peace and fulfillment in life. So I want to thank you for joining us for this talk about emotions. I am going to encourage you to go out and get his book. I'm going to encourage you to go out and get my merch. I have all kind of inspirational merchandise from magnetic bookmarks to guided journals, to affirmation cards, worry stones. Uh, I even have t-shirts, pillows, you know, totes, mugs, all kinds of things with different designs on it. So if you're looking for some inspirational gifts, unique gifts, you know, laughsandlyrics.com slash shop or laughsandlyricsmerch.com. And I want to thank you for joining us and may you walk in Zenergy. Have a great night. My name is Zena Shea, and I have a weekly podcast called Zenergy, which is fuel for the mind, body, and soul. And this is the Zenergize Your Life Goal Setting Package, Volume 1. It comes with the workbook, a journal, stickers, a bookmark, tabs, and a QR code where you can find my podcast. And inside this workbook, you're going to have 16 different principles. The first one I'm going to show you mine is abundance. You have a place to put pictures that inspire you of role models, also pictures of goals that you want to create, goals, journal prompts, meditations, affirmations, all kinds of things to help you focus on this principle to better your life. And like I said, there's 16 principles. So this is a $15 package that comes with all of these things I've shown you, $21 with shipping and handling, and you can get it at laughsandlyrics.com. So zenergize your life with me. Thank you. Plenty of guppies and other dating misadventures. Lust, loss, and lessons of love from 101 Dates, a memoir told in poetry and prose, read by the author, Zena Shea.
I believe that no experience is a waste. It either taught me what I desire or what I should deny my time and energy. Life is a school that gives us the test and then the lesson. So here are the lessons I learned on this seven-year journey. Hopefully these lessons will enrich your life. They certainly enrich mine. You can save this list for later, as each lesson is written at the end of each chapter. But I included it on page two for those who might be curious or want it later as a reference. Happy reading. Chapter one, attitude. I belong to that classification of women that men don't think exist, single by choice and content. Many men fathom themselves fairy godfathers, warning women to wed, settle down, commit before the clock strikes old age and we're left in the cinders with only birds and cats as company. Once their warnings might have stuck, but that was years ago, before my odyssey. I started out like most young women, a virgin, saving myself, fearful of sex like a roller coaster I'd always wanted to ride but couldn't truly picture myself climbing on. Pregnancy and STDs, enough of a threat to keep me on the kiddie rides, safe and secure and thrillless. Marriage came and went, long, unfulfilling, outside of my children. Not at all like people said it would be. Divorce, for me, signaled a new beginning. Enter the first online profile. I posted a pic, wondering if any man would even notice me, and got 100 inboxes in three days. The ugly duckling was a swan, it seemed. And I was ready after being a tension and sex star for years. This was a chance to see how the single, ready to mingle, half lived. I lined up 16 meeting greets in as many days, and in walked JJ. JJ. Dad bod, but with the smooth practice air of a man who knew how to mac. He was just what I wanted, needed, craved. A good listener, patient, willing to give me as much sex as I could handle, and after nine years of dealing with impotence, I could handle a lot. He was wine and flowers and soft jazz romantic. Taught me I was multi-orgasmic, something I didn't know, although I'd been married twice and was 43 years old. He was fun, carefree, and asked for nothing. I was spoiled. I didn't have to cook, clean, wash, put up with BS. 